0: In the, name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, this passage should seem a little familiar to you because we just read the same account from uh, a different gospel last week, but the church repeats this passage for us two weeks in a row for a very specific reason. It's this time during the year that typically the farmers would go out and sow their seed to prepare for the harvest because transitioning from fall into winter, this would be the time whenever the farmers would go and sow their seed in their field. And so the church wants to spiritualize that area of our life because this was such a significant part of the people's life during that time. Their, Their mind was kind of consumed in this effort to cultivate their field. And so the church wants to tell us that what really matters is to cultivate the field of our heart. And we see these different scenarios, four different scenarios, where one of the scenarios, the seed bears fruit, but in the other three, you see that nothing happens, right? The seed is even wasted. And so the focus of this parable is for us to imitate that good ground. Now, the only way for us to imitate that good ground <coughs> is to learn from the good and from the bad. Right? We have to learn... How to imitate this good ground But we also have to learn How to avoid imitating The bad ground And you see that in these three different scenarios In these three cases There's a common theme that runs Throughout these three types of bad ground Okay And so The scriptures tell us very clearly Some fell on stony places Where they didn't have much earth And immediately they sprang up Because they had no depth of earth So those are the ones that fell among the stony places. And then, when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and they sprang up and choked them. So you see from the wayside, from the stony ground and from the thorns, the common problem that they all have is that there was no place for the seed to take root. There was no depth. The common problem for these three different types of bad ground, was that they had no depth. And so what's the antidote for that? What was so special about the good ground? That it had depth. Because it had a place for the seed to reside deep down in the ground, not just to sit on the surface, not just to penetrate a little, but it penetrated down to the depth, and it resided there. It found a place where it can grow. And because it did, it produced fruit. right? And so what ultimately matters in our life in reflecting this good type of ground is that we live with depth. And this is something that's a common struggle for all of us. We struggle to live with real depth in our life. And so let's first define what that means. What does it mean to have depth in our life? I think His Holiness Pope Shenouda III Third. Puts it most eloquently. He says, Believe me, one single deed a man does in depth may measure his whole life. In the offering of Isaac, Abraham was in the depth of giving. Some servants assess their service with wrong measures, which have the proper appearance from the outside but have no depth. There could be a servant without a class entrusted to him but has a deeper service. In great depth, John the Baptist served about six months or a little more. And in a short period, he prepared the way before the Lord and led people to repentance. One sermon with the depth of the Holy Spirit in it added 3,000 souls to the faith. And he's referencing Peter's sermon. Many care about the linear measure in fasting, for example, in prayers and the number of psalms and prostrations without caring about the depth in worship. Then this person comes out of fasting with the same characteristics and faults. The same applies to reading, its depth and its effect. It's not important to read many chapters, but the depth and effect that such reading leaves in you. Many have repented but returned to the way they were because their repentance was not deep. But those who deeply repented, they never returned to sin again. Depth gives power. Do we have depth in our spiritual life? Do we have this good type of soil at the bottom of our hearts? It doesn't mean that we're emotional. It doesn't mean that we're always contemplative or meditative. You know, we always just pause and reflect on life. And we have that sort of poetic type of depth. That's not what I'm talking about. But to live with depth means I'm familiar with the bottom of my heart. That I'm acquainted with the bottom of my heart I don't live on the surface right? With my interactions with people With my service With the way that I hear God's word in my life That it finds the bottom of my heart When I hear God's word It enters the bottom of my heart When I give I give from the bottom of my heart When I hold on to the truth I hold on to it from the bottom of my heart When I love, when I serve, when I pray, I love, I serve, and I pray from the bottom of my heart. That's what it means to have depth. And we have to ask ourselves if we're living with depth. Because if we're not, the tragic reality is that the seed, the word of God, will find no place in our hearts. And it will not take root, and it will not produce fruit. Living with depth is not an option. It's a mandate. It's a critical requirement for our advancement in the spiritual life. And so again, I have to ask myself, do I live with depth? Am I familiar with the bottom of my heart or am I always living on the surface? I'm going to talk to you about three different areas where we can apply this concept to live with depth. First is, depth in hearing His voice. Second, is depth in our fasting and you know what's always related to fasting is depth in our prayer. Okay, So first, depth in hearing His voice. How many sermons have we heard in our life? How many Sunday school lessons have we heard in our life? How many words of advice we've heard from family and friends, from servants, from priests? And then it goes in one ear and out the other. And because we have no depth... The Word of God doesn't truly penetrate our hearts. We'll give you two very simple examples. St. Anthony and St. Paul the Hermit. Because there was depth in their hearts, they simply heard one word from God and their entire life was changed. Imagine if we had that depth. Where I walk in, I hear the Scriptures read. I hear a sermon. Or even just... Some advice from a friend. And that word takes root in my heart. Because St. Anthony walked into the church and heard the words chanted, If you wish to be perfect, sell what you have, give to the poor, and go and follow me. He took that to heart. And he applied it, and became St. Anthony the Great. St. Paul, after his parents died, you know, he was the younger brother. And so he got into a little altercation with his big brother about who gets the inheritance, right? And, you know, it's common. He tells him, little brother, you don't know what you're doing. You can't take care of all this money. I'm going to keep it all. And so, you know, St. Paul wasn't having it. He said, you know, let's go to the judge and settle this. So they're going to the judge. And on their way to the courtroom, they see this funeral. Room, this rich man that just died. died. And as you know, there's always a pressure to bury this rich man outside of the village. And so they're crossing paths. St. Paul sees this and he wonders what's going on. Like, Why this big procession for like, a simple funeral? He doesn't know that this was the wealthiest man in the village. And so there's a big crowd around him. But he looks at this and he sees how this man was buried with all of his treasures. And that he's taking none of it with him. And he heard God's voice telling him that we don't live for the wealth in this world. We don't live for materialistic possessions. We live for the kingdom of God. And so he turned to his brother and he said, take it all. I don't want any of it. I want to dedicate my life to God. Just an event like that, one single event spoke to him and it transformed his entire life. When we surrender to God, When we abandon ourselves to God, everything in life speaks to us. Jean-Pierre de Cassade says, in souls abandoned to God, everything is profitable. Everything is a sermon and apostolic. Everything is apostolic. You know how the apostles were sent to deliver the message of the gospel. Everything in our life becomes a channel for the gospel to penetrate our hearts. To convict us, to comfort us, to challenge us and to edify us so I need to ask myself if I truly have depth when it comes to hearing God's voice in my life not just when I sit and I read the gospel or the scriptures which is essential I need to give that time and attention but as I walk through life and my daily activities second is depth in our fasting now you might wonder why am I talking about fasting now Abuna. still have a month before we get to the nativity fast thanksgiving is right around the corner the last thing we want to think about is fasting (laughs) but to be honest with you fasting is a way of life fasting isn't just this little activity or practice that we do in certain seasons of the liturgical calendar it's a way of life it's nothing more than denying myself what I desire and to be honest with you, a lot of times we presume that on certain days I should deny myself my desires, but on other days I should indulge and live a lavish life. I'll tell you a very simple example from the life of Barneba. You might remember Barneba. he was a young boy that died when he was about 17 years old. He was an incredible young boy, He knew the scriptures inside and out. He was like the head servant in the service at such a young age. He knew all the hymns. He was brilliant, incredibly intelligent, the first in his class and his, his, uh, his grade. Amazing young kid. He read the Bible about like 20 times before he died, by the way. And when he died, you know, his dad was a priest. He walked in and he saw... Uh, Bernabe lying down on his back with the Bible wide open and incense filled the entire room. And, and he actually documented about his life when he would depart, a year before he departed. Anyway, so a short period before his departure, his dad wanted to just test Bernabe and some of his friends. And so he asked him this question, whenever you know, you're sitting in a gathering and somebody brings some fruit, say someone brings some apples... Which one would you take? And you know, many of them gave the most common answer. You know I would just take the smallest one, you know, the typical humble answer, or I would take the least ripe apple, or maybe the, the one that doesn't look the best, or whatever. But he said, what really shocked him was Barnabas' answer after everyone gave their response. He simply said. I'll just wait till everyone else chooses And I'll take what's left That's what it means to fast It means I deny myself The pleasures of choosing what satisfies myself right? I put myself last I give others the preference right? And are we not doing that when we fast? Are we not living this way of life? Remember whenever we were baptized And our parents heard these instructions at the end of the service. One of the instructions is what? To observe the great fast and the Wednesday and Friday fast. That was actually a commandment given to us from the church. That Wednesday and Friday fast is the very first fast that we see in the year. It's from the very first century in the Didache. We're... The apostles, the writings of the apostles tell us to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. And we think, oh, that's the optional fast. <laughs> that's the fast that we do whenever we really want to be holy. <laughs> right? That's the fast for the guys in the icons up here, the Wednesday Friday fast. That's not the case. Do we devote ourselves to fast on a regular basis? Right? And if we do, then we fast from the bottom of our hearts. We fast with depth. Remember when Abuna Raphael, the, the disciple of Saint Pope Krollus, had to step away for a short period and entrust someone else to take care of Pope Krollus? He told him about his diet and how to prepare his food and so on, and he left him. And a little bit later, he calls to check up on the substitute for uh, taking care of Pope Krullus. and then. Interestingly enough, he says, you know, I'm doing what you said, like a little bit of rice, vegetables, and some chicken on the side. But he never eats the chicken. (laughs) Every time I put it just, you know, in the plate together. But he never eats the chicken. And Abunrah feels like, you fool. (laughs) You just leave it out like that? You have to cut it up into little pieces and shred the chicken in tiny little pieces and mix it in rice so he doesn't see it. Because St. Pope Krullus just lived such a simple life that he didn't care about eating the most delicious foods. And it's okay for us to eat good, delicious food, but we have to ask ourselves if we indulge, if we're always eating in excess. Because if we learn to control our stomachs and our desires with food, we'll learn to check our desire to retaliate whenever someone provokes us. We learn to check our desires whenever we're tempted to be lazy. To sleep in on Sunday mornings, which many of you did a good job resisting that urge this morning. But it starts with checking our desires when it comes to eating. Not just in excess, but also in the delicacies of life. And we should do that on a daily basis, but more particularly on those Wednesday, Friday fasts that, unfortunately, we often neglect. So let's bring that back. Let's go back to our roots where we truly fast those two days out of the year. Just, just a week ago. As I'm giving communion, somebody comes up to me and he says, Abuna, I ate or, or I had a, a sip of water at 12.30 last night. And a lot of people might think, okay, that's ridiculous. Who cares? You know, We're supposed to stop eating after 12. We all know that. Midnight, we don't eat, we don't drink. But a lot of us have just gotten a little bit loose or a little bit careless when it comes to our discipline. When I hear someone so particular or meticulous in their discipline, my heart leaps for joy. Because I see that this is someone who cares about living a meticulous life. Now, of course, we can follow these rules and these guidelines in a legalistic way. It just becomes mechanical, which is not any helpful. That's even worse. Right? But if we're truly cautious, and we fast from the bottom of our hearts, then when it comes to our discipline, when it comes to what we're eating, you know, so many times I remember I would order food at like Taco about my burrito comes back with a little bit of cheese, and I'm like, that's a sign from God that He wants me to break my fast. But if, it, if my burrito came back with some onions, I'm sending it back, give me another burrito. <laughs> but a lot of times, we just bend or cut corners. Am I fasting with depth? Am I fasting with the Spirit? Am I following the discipline of the church? I know this, this can pose a lot of difficulties, especially whenever we have people around us that may not follow the same practice. But that's why we as a church walk together. Just one more story about this topic, and then I'll move on to the third one. I remember when I was really young and I was firm and strict in my fasting. Like, no one and nothing could you know, shake me when it comes to fasting. So I, I went, I visited uh, my family in Egypt. And I remember, you know, my aunt was ready to welcome us and had this big feast ready for us. You know, whenever your nephew is coming to visit and you're going you're gonna to go all out, like the whole nine yards. It was like buftik and makrona bashamel and lahma and ruzumul and Aranib and like you name it. Now, the funny part was that this was on a, on a Wednesday. And so I walk in and I see this. I'm telling, even the rice had like ground meat mixed in it. So like, there was nothing, like no vegetables, nothing. I so, you know, she's excited. This is her gift of love, right? She wants to offer this meal for her nephew to enjoy. So I'm like, Tant, I love you, but I can't eat any of that. I'm fasting. And we went back and forth for like a half hour. What do you mean? How could you not eat this? And like. It's only Wednesday, it's not like Lent. Anyway, you go back and forth, and I refused to budge. And I felt like firm in my conviction. Right? I think I just like drank some juice or something. <laughs> Anyways, after that, fast forward a few years later, I look back at that and I'm like, was I legalistic in the way I was fasting? You know, I heard her feelings. And I refused her gift of love. Was that the right response? And then, you know, I thought a little bit more about it. I said, you know, that probably wasn't the right way to fast. I should have just bent a little. I should have been a little bit more flexible. God wouldn't have cared if I compromised a little bit. And and that's the way I understood it. Now fast forward till just about a few months ago. Ambas Rapun came to visit us and I told him the story. And I said, "This is what happened." And then a little bit later, I realized that, like, I was so rigid, I was so legalistic, and you know that was, God doesn't want us to fast this way. And he told me, "Like, no, actually, what you did was right." Like, what do you mean? Like, now I'm confused. <laughs> what you did was right because you weren't fasting on your own terms. You weren't following your own rules. You were submitting yourself to the church and following what the church guided you to do. So you don't compromise for others in order to break away from the church. And if we're fasting with depth, we're firm. We're strict. But we do that with the Spirit. We do that because of our love for God, not to just follow some rules or some mechanics. And so again, do I fast with depth? Finally, is depth... In prayer. What is depth in prayer? Does it mean I just pray with more emotions? And I'm always crying every time I pray, or I'm always dramatic every time I pray. That's not what it means. Saint Theophan the Recluse says, The heart of the matter is to stand with reverence before God, and with the mind in the heart, and strive toward Him with longing. And so, this means we devote ourselves, our whole heart, our time and our energy, our body and our soul to God when we pray. Right? So often we don't give ourselves a chance to pray with depth because we take so many shortcuts. We had a long day. We're tired. We're lucky to just stand for a second and say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father, and Holy Spirit. Okay, I another. Okay, love you, Lord. Thank you. Good night. And we wonder why there's no depth in our prayer life because we don't give it a chance to develop. Father Jacques Philippe says, The time spent in prayer should be adequate. Five minutes are not enough for God. Five minutes are what we give someone when we want to get rid of him or her. A quarter of an hour is the absolute minimum. And anyone who's able shouldn't hesitate to spend an hour or more every day. We have to be honest with ourselves when it comes to the depth that we apply in our life of prayer. And, and I think because we get used to the shortcuts that we apply in our prayer life, I think this is the norm. The norm is to just spend one or two minutes at the most and say, okay, I have real depth in my life of prayer. Prayer comes whenever we devote our time to God. Because it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to fall into our laps. It requires real intentional sacrifice. We're going to have to take away time from other things. And that's where the sacrifice comes into play. We have to say, I'm not going to do that so I can do this. And isn't that what we do when it comes to any sort of activity we want to do? We take away time from other things so that we can spend time doing what we want. St. Theophan says, The great men of prayer had a prayer rule and kept to it. Every time they began prayer with the established prayers. And if they needed a prayer rule, then we need one even more. Without formal prayers, we wouldn't know how to pray correctly at all. Without them, we would be completely without prayer. And you must repeat a definite number of prayers or set a specific length of time for prayer or both. And such a prayer rule is imperative because we have a certain strange quirk about us. When we're busy in the world, hours pass as minutes, but when we stand at prayer, a minute doesn't go by and it seems as though we've prayed for hours. Time distortion brings no harm when we complete a full established prayer rule from our prayer book. Right? And so, do we even have a prayer rule? I think that's the bigger question. Do I go to my father confession, Abuna? Where is my discipline when it comes to prayer? What do I pray, and how much do I pray? I think without that, we can't expect to have depth in our life of prayer. Remember, whenever Pope Karolos had his appendectomy, remember he was under general anesthesia for this surgery. It's a pretty serious surgery, moving your appendix. So he's under general anesthesia. And the surgeon there, the anesthe- anesthesiologist and the nurses, reported after the surgery that St. Pope Crullus was laying there, unconscious, and you know, they would typically hear people like babbling stuff that's in the back of their mind. They're just mumbling, you know, whenever you're unconscious. You just say weird things, things that are in the back of your mind. And they heard him saying a few things. You know what he was saying? He was praying the Psalms. <laughs> I, until this day, I, I can't believe it. That prayer and the Psalms were so deeply rooted in the depth of his heart, that even when he was unconscious, his subconscious was still praying. That he would pray one psalm and he would end alleluia and begin with the very next psalm from the start. And how did Pope Corullus reach this level? It didn't happen overnight. It's because he was disciplined in giving his prayer time to develop. In meetings, whenever they would talk about serious problems in the church, in the middle, he would get up and leave. And he's like, where are you going? Oh, it's time for Vespers. What do you mean Vespers? We have all of these problems to talk about. The church has serious issues that we need to address. You know, the priests can pray Vespers. We need you here to deal with this stuff. He's like, no, I need to pray Vespers for myself. I need to pray Vespers... Because we have all of these problems to address. You see where His priorities were? That's what it's all about. May God give us the grace to live with depth. To live with depth in our entire life. To, to live with depth when it comes to hearing His Word. When it comes to our fasting and our prayer. Not in a mechanical way, but with the Spirit. That God's name may be glorified forever and ever. Amen.